Welcome to Pastor's Class as we walk through this study on the Sermon on the Mount. Hopefully by this point you have picked up our uh, study book that is guiding our time together, the Christ-Centered Exposition on the Sermon on the Mount, and it will prove to be a pretty good guide for us even this week. Some weeks we're in it a little more than others, but it is a good resource to be reading along, kind of learning these texts, and it's fairly readable, as you can see, not, not a super uh, long book, and so it's pr something pretty accessible to you, so we'd love for you to pick this up and be reading along with us in the Sermon on the Mount. Now today we're in still in Matthew 5, and we're going to be just in two verses. We'll also jump to a little later passage in Matthew to give some context. Uh, but we're going to be dealing with, a, I would say, one of the more challenging subjects uh, is divorce and uh, remarriage. How we handle uh, divorce and remarriage. And really, as we approach a subject like this, it, it's one of those things that there are a variety of opinions on it. And I'm also aware for, for quite a few folks, it's, there's a variety of history involved. And in other words, many of you have gone through some very painful and difficult divorces. And, and so as part of your past, when we start bringing up a passage like this, it, it can be uh, difficult to listen to. And, and uh, so, so my, my goal here is not to be condemning, uh, but at the same time to hold marriage high as something that's important. And so we'll just try to go through some basic pieces of it and um, hopefully provide some encouragement to you and some foundational pieces on what we believe about marriage. Now here's the statement that uh, Aiken gives in the book, kind of summarizes it. He says, divorce and remarriage lead to adultery, except when they occur because of sexual immorality and they should be rare among God's people because he desires reconciliation. That's how he summarizes the passage and holds to kind of the position that you could uh, have a have a divorce uh, if there are these particular circumstances that are in this case. Now let's read the passage, and uh, then after we look, read the passage, I want he puts several statements in here. I'm not going to use all of them, but I'd like to use a few of the statements he used in the book to summarize kind of how you should approach this, and we'll just read over them, discuss them for a few minutes, and then uh, we'll be done with our study here. But let me read from Matthew chapter five, verse thirty-one. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual morality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So these are strong words. They're the words of Jesus, uh, speaking about how we should look at marriage, divorce, and even a the sin of adultery. This is directly following the passage where he does talk about the sins of lust. And so it would make sense that he would bring in this uh, conversation here. Now let's skip. I just want to read another passage that provides context. We'll quote from both of them. If you skip all the way to Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse 3, the Bible says this, And the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? So he answered, Have you not read that he... He who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. 
And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. So let's say a word of prayer before we jump into this study. Heavenly Father, help us to see marriage how you would desire us to see it. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to see divorce as well, how you would desire us to approach it. And so help us to live lives that honor you and uh, follow you. And so we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I said this already, but this is a tough subject. And in regards to the grounds for biblical divorce, even among Christians, there are a variety of biblical views. And uh, some, I would believe, are within bounds, and some are maybe out of bounds. And so I think that for some Christians, they would see uh, passages like this and others, 1 Corinthians 7, is there are these windows for divorce. Now, I see no reason that you couldn't read these that, that way. I also think for some Christians, they would look at it and say, God hates divorce. Uh, man cannot separate what God has put together. And that these reasons are only there because of the hardness of people's hearts. And so they might say that even though you might be separated, that divorce and remarriage is never okay. It's called the permanence view. And so there's this spectrum among Christians where there's this kind of lockdown, you know, once married forever, there's no reasons. And then there are some of these biblical bounds in these reasons. So having said that spectrum exists, I would say that we as Christians have freedom within those to hold our own convictions. Meaning that I can believe one of these and another person can hold that another conviction here even at our church. I think though... Uh, within that, we need to make sure we hold those boundaries. In other words, it, and we'll get to this in a moment, we don't need to go to the point to say, just any reason's okay. Just because we can't decide on a couple of these verses, or it's not clear, I guess you would say, on these couple of verses, all these other, just any divorce reason's okay. Uh, so within that spectrum, I would say at minimal level, there are some things that we would all agree to. And then I'd like to talk about these clauses, in particular this uh, infidelity clause, or this ability uh, to divorce because one spouse has been uh, unfaithful. And so let, let's look through this. I want to use the statements that, that uh, Danny Aiken uses from the book, and we'll just, I'll just read them, and then we'll provide commentary, look at the verses, and we'll wrap up our time together with just an affirmation of marriage. So the first thing he says is God's plan for marriage is for one man and one woman until separated by death. So God's design is that marriage is for one man, one woman for the rest of your lives. Death is the only thing that separates that couple. That's why he quotes in Matthew 19, look at it again. He answered, have you not read, and this is going all the way back to Genesis, he who created them from the beginning made them male and female. So now we know that there is gender distinction. In a world today, these foundational truths are all the more important. There is a male and a female in a marriage. And said, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become, and this is this one flesh union. And then he says, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. And what therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Something said oftentimes at the altar. Uh, you, know, you hear this verse quoted almost at every single wedding. And so, uh, of course, on that day, this is a wonderful verse. Commitment for a lifetime. 
uh, it's a harder verse to carry through the years. As many folks know that divorce happens. And so to say this kind of lifetime uh, of marriage is at minimal, this is the design. So even if there are these clauses that we would say, okay, these are ways in which you can divorce and then God is okay with that, that's still not his preferred, designed way for it to happen. Marriage is designed. It is built. The, the way that it is meant to bring the most glory to God is to be for a lifetime. And we can all agree. That's the easy one for us all to say, yes. When we hear those verses, yes forever. But what happens when things go wrong? How is it that this is handled? So let's look at the second uh, statement he makes here. Sexual immorality constitutes biblical grounds for divorce. So, so this would be what we would known as the exception clause. So there's a rule, and then there's an exception to that rule. And so uh, if you take this verse, you would say that Jesus is about to say, in this instance, uh, there is an exception to this rule. Look at it there in verse 31. It was also said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except, here's his exception, on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, don't worry so much about the, like, divorces his wife or marries a divorced woman. These rules will work both ways here. So, you know, if a wife divorces her husband, or that he mar a woman marries a divorced man kind of thing. You could reverse these statements. But um, this is uh, more than just simply being unfaithful. There's quite a bit of sexual perversion that could be involved in here. Uh, but there is this idea that there is this unfaithfulness in regard to uh, you know, the marital bed that is involved here. And that generates then these, this list of sexual sins that then provide a, an exception for which then you could divorce your spouse. Now, this is oftentimes, for many folks that have divorced, they will look back and say, this is when I divorced, this is the verse that I looked to because I knew that, that I could. I knew it was okay uh, to divorce. And I, I don't see any reason you couldn't read that Bible verse that way and say this is uh, a, a biblical grounds for divorce. Um, and you, you might could say this would be okay at that point. But here's, the, here's where I just, you kind of hear it in my, my tone and what I'm saying. The, the problem is I, I, you want to be careful not to say this is now prescribed by God. So, um, and so before we go there, let me just give you the phrase, the reverse side of this, and then we'll get to the prescription. Here's the third thing. Divorce and remarriage without biblical ground constitutes adultery. So before we start kind of looking at what is the exception, let's take what everybody else would agree on. Everything outside of that, all the way down, any other reason for divorce is adultery. Look at verse 32. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual morality, makes her commit adultery. So notice the phrase that says everyone, everybody. This isn't a certain group. 
everybody falls in this category, and there is only one exception for everyone in this case. And so, uh, outside of all of this, this moment, all other divorce is sinful. He even goes as far to say, if you're remarrying, you are committing adultery. It's as if you're cheating on that original marriage. Because God has not annulled that original marriage. He's now, you're, you're still married and you're off with someone else. Now, uh, this is where it's interesting. Uh, the Old Testament laws uh, were designed, uh, when you look at the Old Testament, to hold marriage high. And then, with like any other act with Pharisees and the, you know, they try to like hold the law, and you really see it here in the Sermon on the Mount, we talk about it a lot, they end up creating these laws upon laws upon laws. And in this case, it's no different. There, is, there are historical records where we see uh, the Jews, particularly after this time, they start, because they need reasons, they start listing out any sort of reason that they might could divorce their spouse. And there's actually historical records where they, they list reasons such as the shape of your spouse's head. If it is in a certain shape, you could divorce them. Even the eyes, if they're cross-eyed or the eyes are too high or too low, uh, the, the shape of your spouse's nose or their teeth, even down to if they just burned the dinner. In other words, there was any sort of reason you wanted to come up with. Uh, and if you, you could just generate that reason, then you could divorce them. And all that sounds ridiculous today, right? You think, no, we to list all that out. But we have a certain thing called no-fault divorce now, meaning that you don't actually have a reason, have to have a reason to divorce your spouse. And for today, that's kind of how it works. I just fall out of love. I just don't like them anymore. I'm just, uh, we just aren't you know, it's compatible, things come up, life has changed, um, we're just not the same people anymore, all these reasons start showing up, and now you have people getting divorced for all kinds of reasons that are not biblical. As best you might be able to come up with is there is this exception clause for sexual morality and a 1 Corinthians 7 kind of abandonment because they are not a believer. That's, that's about as much biblical ground against this eternal covenantal nature of marriage. Because if you really try, let's say you want to press it to any sort of excuse and any sort of reason to get divorced, you might as well take the covenant and just throw it out. You might as well take all that stuff you say on the, your wedding day and just be like, you know what, it sounds really nice, but we really don't mean it because at any particular day, if I fall out of love, I don't like them anymore, it's not quite what it was, then I can just divorce them. That's not a covenant. That's not a till death do us part. That's not a for better or for worse. That's a for only better. That means that the vows you're taking, you don't actually mean if you're just willing to divorce for any reason at all. So that's why some people would sit here and I would, you know, even think some this way myself is that for me personally, like a, I think just married forever. I'd, I'd like to be married to my wife forever. No matter what happens, what she does. Uh, but, but ultimately, I think that's where I want to challenge you to think, and particularly if you're in a marriage, maybe you're in a spot, you're thinking about how committed you are to this person. You, you can't divorce them for unbiblical grounds. Now, let me make a distinction here. I, I know it sounds as if we're, we're saying, okay, you have to be in the marriage 
and no matter what you you can't get out except for these couple of instances I do want to make the distinction that there is a difference between separation and divorce and if a person's life is in danger there is this amount of abuse there's abuse there in a way that we would be concerned for them um, separation is is definitely something that needs to happen so I don't want you to hear to say hear me saying that um, the, these are the issues and then I would send somebody back into a marriage and say you have to endure their physical and you know emotional kind of abuse that a person was in so so there are situations where I think separation is definitely something I would counsel I think that's where you can distinguish that even from divorce with the hope that your spouse might reach repentance and turn from their sin and not be in those patterns anymore and see them you know, love you in a Christ-like manner. And so I think that would be the distinction maybe there that separation is an option oftentimes for individuals so that repentance and restoration can happen. And so that leads me uh, to these last few points about how we should approach divorce. And again, complicated subject, but I think there's some things we can agree upon. Number four, though divorce is permitted in specific circumstances, it is never commanded. This is what this is what's tempting as you talk through this to begin to think, oh, divorce is you know there's this option. If they're unfaithful, I have to divorce them. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So so that you don't have to say, well, I'm, I definitely got to be done with you now. No no no. The Bible is this is an exception, and it it shouldn't be only in the circumstances for a person they feel like I cannot make this go forward but the goal should be to not do that this is why uh, he would say this in Matthew 19 he said they said to him why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away he said to them because of your hardness of heart Moses allowed you to divorce your wives but from the beginning it was not so so he this is why some people might say it's permanent uh, because any sort of divorce comes from a hard heart so, so to say that point is that at, at core level, it is our sin that is generating this divorce. And so we need to be careful uh, to not see this as some sort of prescribed deal. And so I would even uh, just encourage you today, oftentimes you may not hear about it because people aren't public about these things, but there are many faithful spouses who have stayed faithful in their marriages even when the other one was not faithful and because of their continued faithfulness have kept that marriage going and today are godly and loving each other and you would not know it interacting with them. That being said, it can be done. You can go through a marriage, have someone unfaithful and stay faithful to them and honor the Lord through it. So, so you don't need to think like, just because they're unfaithful, Jesus gave an exception clause, now it's a command. That's certainly not the case. That's not even the preferred. The preferred, this is where I would say number five here, even when there is biblical grounds for divorce, God's desires for reconciliation and restoration if possible. So we should desire to see the marriage restored. So even though we're looking at this exception clause, it is certainly not the norm, and it goes all the way back to the first thing we said. The preferred, the default, the baseline, the the way God designed it is for marriage to be for a lifetime, together forever. It is a covenant. So um, for, for us, our desire is to see that marriage last. So again, I'm not saying go into an abusive situation and endure it. What I am saying is that 
confront that spouse, bring the church in, let's call the spouse out for their abuse, let's, let's deal with the sin, and then work to restore the marriage. That's the goal. So, but, but the warning here is, so often, and what I've seen before, is that maybe the husband's not a great husband. Maybe he's just doing a lot of the things that a lot of husbands do. They just forgot Valentine's Day. They gave you a thoughtless gift, and you couldn't feel loved less uh, this past Valentine's Day. And, and maybe um, you, you feel like that uh, they don't pay you much attention, and they're really just not a great husband. Or the other way around. Maybe you believe she just, she just really doesn't care for you, and she doesn't show you respect. She's always giving you a hard time. And so you just feel strife in your marriage. That's not a biblical reason for divorce. Just because you fight. I don't know if you've noticed this. Jesus hasn't given a reason there for you to divorce him. It's, it's not okay. That's why I would say, number six, those who are guilty of the sin of adultery should repent and pursue a new God's standard of sanctity in marriage. So, this isn't the preferred future. Now, here's one of the challenges. If you are a person who did divorce your spouse for wrong reasons, and now you are remarried, what do you do now? This gets, see, that's why this is really complicated. Here's what, here's what Aiken says. I think it's helpful. He's, and he's quoting someone else. He's basically saying that if you sin, when you commit that sin, it's a one-time sin when you marry the person, and then from that point on, it's done. In other words, if you're already married again, don't go and try to get a divorce to go back. That just piles everything up. Just go to the Lord, confess your sin to Him, and move on and be faithful in the marriage that you're in. Love the Lord and walk that path. It's a one-time thing you need to confess to the Lord. Maybe you've left your spouse right now. You have not married someone else. You know it is not for a biblical reason. Then I would encourage you to repent of that and look to restore the marriage. And I say that to say, what does the Bible tell you? I'm, I, I, I hope you hear the Bible and not me. I, I, to me, this is where you just have to go to the Bible and find these verses. Read them and tell me if you believe that you're in the right before God himself. And so you have to make these uh, decisions. Here's the, here's the seventh and the final thing I'll give you. Jesus expects divorce to be the rare exception and not the rule within the community of faith. This means that we as people hold the marriage covenant bond high. And we fight, man, we strive, we do everything we can to keep that marriage together, healthy, and strong. And so you're going to see us as pastors and us as a church that even in cases of adultery, even in cases where there is this sense where the marriage is in real trouble, we're going to do all we can to see both spouses repenting of their sins, returning to the faithfulness of that marriage, and we're going to hold them up and strengthen them and walk through that. And, you know, we don't, uh, we don't, we don't always do it perfect, but there are, and we don't make them public, but we're doing that around here. We're, we're working with marriages to see them strong and uh, vibrant. And so we, we just pray your, your marriage is that way. 
uh, if you're married. And we, we hope and pray that if, if you are in the midst, oftentimes a lot of times people are in this struggle, you've got a terrible deal going at home and you're not telling anybody. And there's no way we can help you if you don't let us know. So the last thing I'll say at all this is that if you are in a spot in your marriage where you need pastoral help, you, you know you need some, somebody to hold up your hands and to walk this road with you, talk to one of us at the church. Let us know how we might pray with you, counsel you, encourage you, so that your marriage might be one that lasts and gives honor and glory to God. I pray this was encouraging to you today. I know I didn't answer every question, may have unpacked stuff that created more questions along the road. I just would say, for you, you need to look at the Bible and know what you believe about this. Hear it from the Word of God. Don't let the culture and everybody else tell you what, what to believe about marriage and divorce. You need to know what the Bible says about those things. And ultimately, hold up that covenant we place before God that makes us one flesh that man cannot separate it. Hold that up high, believing that is to be honored and kept with great commitment. Let me pray for us and we'll be done. Heavenly Father, help us to value marriage like you do. And Lord, I pray for the marriages in our church and in our, our nation. We pray that people would be committed to one another. And Lord, we pray you would protect them from wandering eyes and from sins that might destroy the marriages. marriages. And so Lord, we pray that you would uh, allow us as a church and us as Christians to rightly uh, honor and represent the glory of Christ in the church in our home found in our marriages. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.